Let's turn to the Word of God then. The Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. You say, where is that? It's one of those books nobody really preaches out of, isn't it? I'll tell you. I'll explain to, to you in a moment why. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. If you got to Isaiah, the book before it, you'll find it there. Between Ecclesiastes and the book of Isaiah. Let's go to the last chapter just as a basis of our message this evening. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, please. Just left two verses out, verse 6 and verse 7. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which have a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly condemned. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for everyone who has taken part in the service this evening, the musicians and the singers. We thank you for everyone you've brought out on a cold and miserable, dark, damp evening. We thank you, Lord, for the desire you've put in their hearts to be here this evening. We thank you for every child, Lord, that's now in the polytunnel and the leaders and the teachers with them. We pray, O God, that you would bless them there and encourage each and every one of them. We pray for the youth, Father, who are down in the church building, having their own service this evening. We pray for them, Lord, and we ask you, Lord, to speak into their lives and their hearts. Bless Ryan as he brings the word of God to them. We pray, O God, that you'd bless their worship and their fellowship together. And every youth leader, every teacher, every helper, we pray, O God, that you would move among them And, Lord, that you would give them their portion of the blessing. And so, Father, now, for those of us who are here, we pray, O God, that you would open our ears to hear and give us hearts to receive. We pray, Father, if there is one or if there is some who do not know your Son as their Lord and Savior, we pray tonight, Father, that you would speak through thy word by your Spirit. And elevate and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. And hide this man behind the cross. Let none be seen, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we ask it in his name. We pray it for his glory. And we ask you, Father, would you remember Audrey Jackson and the whole entire family circle at this time. We pray that your loving arms would be around them. We pray, O God, for each and every one of them that you would strengthen them. And when the busyness of, uh, Lord, of the, the last few days has died down and the funeral is over and the burial has taken place and when all goes quiet at home, we pray that you would be their company and that you would draw near to each and every one of them. Let them know that underneath them and round about are your ever lasting arms. Father, we think of those who are sick tonight, 
those who can't be with us with coughs or colds or flus or whatever, we pray your blessing on them and a speedy recovery for them. And now, Father, we pray, settle us in thy presence and glorify your Son. For Jesus' name's sake, I ask it. Amen. The Song of Solomon, as I said, is a, a book that not many uh, would preach from. In fact, many preachers say they dare not preach from it because in some people's eyes it is too risque. In other words, the, the, the very language of it, you see, it's a love song. And all they can see, some people can see, I should say, is that which is more of a carnal nature because of some of the descriptions that are in the Song of Solomon. But this song was written under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. And hence we can see all of those things when we read through the Fuliet chapters. It is a love song that goes back and forward between, if you want, two parties or two peoples. And in our reading at the closing, as it were, off the book, off the song, verse 6 says, Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. And at the end of this, we will look a little more in a moment. At the end of this, we can see the security of having, knowing the Lord. The security. Set me as a seal, personal salvation's security. And secondly, we can see the finality of this great love that God has for his own people. It says in verse 6, for love is as strong as death. In other words, when you love someone with a, a vehement, passionate love, it could be a family member. It could be a, a mother or a father or a husband or a wife or even a, 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 a son or a daughter, and maybe you've lost them. And because they're gone and death has taken them, it doesn't mean to say you stop loving them. It's the idea of this. And here we're told in the song, it is, Lord, love me even when I pass this life. Keep me and seal me, but love me when I pass this life. And in other words, the love of the Lord for those who know Christ will never die. Even death itself cannot separate you from the love of God. And we see here how people are in mourning, and I'm conscious of people here especially lost close relatives recently and loved ones, and conscious how this can be raw to their hearts and real to their hearts, especially at the loss of someone who was your child. Seems to be the hardest and the worst, but you continue on in your love, and hence we mourn much because they were loved much. And then we have, thirdly, the brevity of love. The brevity of love. Verse 6 says, Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. Now, there's a jealousy that's a biblical, marital jealousy. And there is a jealousy which is a wrong 
bad and a cruel jealousy that men or women who find themselves in relationships are, are, are battered and even bruised in their relationship because of a jealous spouse who are controlled and manipulated. But this isn't the jealousy that the Bible speaks of here. It is that the Lord's jealousy for his people. He said to Israel, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. In other words, he loves you so much, it's like a great jealousy of protection that will never fade nor never die. And then, fourthly, there is the ferocity the ferocity of the love. It then says in verse 6, The coals thereof are coals of fire, which have a most vehement flame. And the idea of this is that the vehement flame means a really strong, passionate, undying love. That God the Father loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you. And the idea here is the ferocity is that God's love is passionate about those whom Christ has died for and those who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. Think about it tonight, friend. God's love has a security. That love will never be taken from you. God's love has no finality like death. It is a continuing love, even into eternity. God's love has a brevity. The brevity is that there's no cruelty in it to separate you as the grave would. And of course then, fourthly, God's love has a veracity. It's a love of protection. No darkness, no devil, No evil, foul spirit, no demon of hell can come against those whom God has set his love upon, for he dare not cross the bloodline. Notice tonight, Christian, friend, if you're saved tonight, if you are Christ's tonight, if you're blood-washed and blood-bought tonight, then you are in good hands then you are in grand standing and in a great stead because you are found in Christ. Tonight, if you don't know this great love, here is a hand and the heart of love extended and open for you. And God manifests it all in no greater place than when Christ died at Calvary. Now, you see, the Song of Solomon, there's many aspects to this. It's not just a simple song and that's it. There's a national aspect to it. Solomon is the king of Israel. And Solomon is this great and grand, the richest with all the wisdom that God had given him. We're told that even the stones in the street uh, they were the gold was and the, the the riches the jewels were like those stones in the street they were everywhere such was the opulence of the kingdom and we're told that Solomon through his commerce of sending out the ships to go and sail around the, half the world and he came back every three and a half years there to bring all their wares 
there was apes and peacocks and all sorts of wild animals in the land of Israel before even anyone would have thought of it. God had blessed, and now he was a great conquering champion. This great Solomon had seen peace come, but his heart went astray after other women and after their gods. Notice this, if you will. Verse 1 of chapter 1. Verse 1 of chapter 1. The song of songs, which is Solomon's. This is a song that he has penned. And this song is one of the highest, one of the biggest, one of the brightest, one of the most important. It's even prophetic, for it speaks and looks when Israel would be separated into two kingdoms and how they would be scattered throughout the years and found in, as it were, through the gospel as the preachers would go forward and the apostles, uh, they would preach the word of God. And that which was Israel married unto Jehovah, Solomon is a type of the Lord. And Israel is the bride of Christ. Exodus 19 will tell you this. And Solomon through these years sees this marital bond between God and his people. God is jealous over them. God is a great ferocity, ferocity over them. A real brevity in his thinking and his planning for them. And God is looking at them. Now some of them would be scattered and then others later on. And here's the point about it. It hasn't even happened yet. And God gives him a song to sing, a love song for him and his bride Israel. And then in the New Testament, it carries on how God redeemed us, sent forth his son, and now he is the bridegroom and we are his bride. So this song is for you and for me also this evening. So it's the song of songs. Here's the story behind it. First of all, preachers don't preach on it because they say, well, some of the language is a bit risque. But in Titus 1 and verse 15, it says, unto the pure all things are, are pure. And if you're looking at it from the Spirit's point of view, from the anointed spirit's point of view, you will see this great love song, this great king. And even in the scripture, we find that the, the book before it is the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 1, it says the, the words of the preacher. So we have a preacher before the song of Solomon. Book of Ecclesiastes is the book of the preacher. And then the book after that is the book of Isaiah. And that's the book of the prophet, Isaiah, the son of Amos, the prophet, and so on. And so in between these, the preacher and the prophet, here is this beautiful, magnificent, prophetic, and parabolic song of Solomon. The idea is that there is a a young woman, and she's known as a Shulamite, representing Israel in their sin representing you and I tonight when we were in our sin. And notice this. It represents this young woman, and she's in a field. She's in a field, and she's working hard. She's been laboring hard. And even her family, her family are putting her out to work in their fields, and even her own vineyard, she doesn't look after herself. 
And this young woman over the years, she's become poor, worn down, tired and exhausted. She becomes dirty. That is, with the dirt of the ground, unwashed as it were. I suppose she would have had rags on her rather than a lovely dress. And there she would have been in the field. No one wants to know her. She's the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst. And there she is in a field. Sunburnt where her skin has even turned so big and hard with the sun. She describes herself as being blackened skin with dirt. This isn't that this young woman is black as in her race or skin color. I think it would be detrimental to think that. But rather that this young woman, she has had her face burnt so much in the sun. It's wizened. Her skin looks bad. She has went brown to the point where her skin is black. Notice what it says here. She sees this great king one day coming, as it were, down the road. Whether he's on a horseback or on a, in a chariot, we're not, we don't know. But he comes down, and this is where the story starts. This Shulamite is in the field. Just like you and I were in the field. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of the sower sowing the seed in the field. And then explaining the parable, he says, the field is the world. Like you and I, when we were in the world, in our sin, it had caused us to be like this Shulamite girl. We were, as it were, in the world, partaking of the world, the things of the world. Many of us were in the muck and the mire of the world. Many of us were up to our necks in the world. And it had caused us to become dirty. And no one would have looked at us to say we had a hope or a chance because of us being in this world, our lifestyle. We had no hope of being saved. And this young woman is the same. And one day it is said that Solomon comes down the road and this young woman spies the great king, this great champion, this rich ruler. But sure, he would run over me, would he not, with a chariot? He would run over me if he has his company of horses with him. Who am I? Why would he even look or stop or think of me? That's what many people think in the world. Why would Christ want someone like me? Why would Jesus die for somebody like me? Why would the King of Kings come to hang on a cross for somebody like me? Notice what it says in verse 2. This is a song when they're both together, now singing, looking back at what has happened and the story, the testimony. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Notice, for thy love is better than wine. She used to drink to be happy. She used to drink to forget her pain. You see, I could sin and drink the wine. I have a vineyard. And I could drink this wine and keep drinking this till I get stocious and drunk on it. It takes away the pain. It helps me forget the life that I'm in. Gives me a little bit of escape for a while. Have you ever been there? I have. Many times. I was there many times before I was saved. Many of it. But rather than me having a drink, the drink had me. And this young woman now, she's 
She's with Solomon at this time. They're singing one toward the other. He sings one part of the song, and she sings it back again. Then he sings to her, and she sings it back. And it's a beautiful love song. It's called a song of loves. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Solomon, your company. Solomon, your embrace. Solomon, your great love. I preferred any day over the wine of the world. I preferred any day over the world and all it has. I preferred over all the bottles of wine and even the vineyard that I have. I prefer the kisses of your mouth. The kiss of Solomon to the Shunammite. How greater can we say in spirit that the kisses of Christ to his bride is greater than anything and than all things this world affords. Brothers and sisters, maybe you were in the world and maybe you weren't. Maybe you grew up in a, 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 in a, in a safe church family, and you heard the gospel young, and maybe you were saved from all of those things. Praise God for that, for that's a great testimony. But each and every one of us are sinners, and we were saved by the grace of God through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a great Solomon. Jesus says in the gospels, when he's speaking to the Jews, he says, a greater, speaking of himself, he says, a greater than Solomon is here, and you don't want me. A greater than Solomon is here, and you don't want me. Friend, tonight, there's a greater than Solomon in all that we have heard here tonight. He's here in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. He's here in the presentation of the Word of God. He's here in the singing and the exaltation of Christ. But do you want him? Notice this. Verse 4, listen to what she says. Draw me, and we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. Here she's saying it again. Solomon, what you have for me, what you do for me, what you give to me, I will remember that. Your heart toward me. I remember it more than all of the wine I could ever drink to make me forget, to make things easier. And I can tell you, I don't know what background you had. I don't know. Maybe there's someone here and I don't know what horrors you've come through in life. And what do you take drink for to try and numb, try and get you to forget and, or to help you through that time. But I can tell you something. See the moment that you come to a saving faith and a saving knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes all your past and he washes it all away. Now therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold all things have become new. Our greater than Solomon is here tonight. For someone, if they will call upon his name to be saved. Notice this. 
verse 5. Here she is. I am black but comely. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar. I want you to notice this. As the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me because I am black. Now, you see, if you were to say, well, she's a black person. That's derogatory. Don't look at me. I'm black. That's not what she means. She says, my skin is wisdom. The sun has burnt me sore. That's what, that's what this means. So it's nothing derogatory to someone because they're, uh, they're black or a darker skin. This young woman is saying, I have been through an awful lot. I've been through a terrible life at the moment. And Solomon comes down the road and he rescues her. And now they're looking back and their testimony is, I'm going to sing to you, darling. And she says, well, my love, my beloved, I'm going to sing to you. I wonder what you sing when you sing the songs here tonight. When we're singing about the blood, when we're singing about the cross work of Christ, when we're singing about the great salvation that he brings so full and free, I wonder what our hearts are like. Are we singing it from hearts of love and saying, you're my beloved Jesus, and and I'm singing on to you because you've saved me? Or is it just another, well, I'm here because I'm just singing. That's what we do. It's another song. When all the groups were singing Majestic Sweetness, I asked for that because they sang it so well at the mission, they said, I want you to sing it again. Had I a thousand hearts to give, Lord, they should all be thine. Let me repeat something my pastor, James McConnell, used to say. He used to say, some of us are singing that I have a thousand hearts to give, Lord, they should all be I. He says, and sometimes we find it hard to give them the one we have. We find it so hard to give them the one we have. But if we love him, if we love him, if we have received his love, then we will love him in return. We love him because he first loved us. Notice here, she's saying, I am black but comely. Oh, you daughters of Jerusalem. She's saying, uh, uh, the, the world has done so much to me, my, my very skin, but we could even say it with the sin in our hearts before Christ came to save us. The tents, notice, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Do you know what that means? The tents of Kedar were the, the there were nomadic people and they were around Kedar and they would have encamped for months, put their tents up, and then they took them down and they would have went somewhere else and put their tents up for months or maybe a year or more, I don't know. Took them down and this is how they lived their life. And over the years, putting their tents up, the wind, the sun, the sandstorms, whatever the rain or whatever conditions they were in, they started to become frayed. They started to become worn. They started to become blackened. And the dirt would have been ingrained into the fabric. And this is what this young Shulamite woman is saying. I am as the tents of Kedar. 
My skin is like the canvas of these tents. It's black. It's dirty. It's unwashed and it's unclean. Representing our hearts and what we were outside of Christ and when we were in the world. I'm as the tents of Kedar. But now, when she's been brought into his banqueting house, when she's seen his banner over her was love, she looks at the palatial palaces of Solomon and the great curtains maybe blowing with the wind. And she says, Now I'm as a tent, not of Kedar, but as a curtain of Solomon. In other words, she's saying, I was this dirtied and battered and bruised and weak. I was like the ingrained sin. But now, she says, looking at the great curtains, she says, I'm now as a tent of Gadar before I met Solomon. He's washed me. He's cleaned me. He's changed me. He's fed me. He's loved me. He's looked after me. She says, but now look at them curtains. He's made me like his curtains. And I'm altogether lovely. That's what she's saying here. And brothers and sisters, if you know where Christ has rescued you from. If you know where Christ came down that road, the great King of Kings, and knew the Shunammite, as it were, in your sin in the world, without any hope of rescue or redemption, if you know it and can grasp it and understand it, if you know the very dirt of it, oh, and the worldliness of it, but now you see that the blood of Christ has cleansed you and washed you and changed you and set you free and he's given you his righteousness, you're like the curtains of Solomon when you say praise the Lord he has saved us this is the Christ people say you can't get the gospel out of a book like the song of Solomon the gospel's all through it you just need to look for him for Christ notice this if you will Look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have I not kept. She says, you know what? I was that busy with worldly life and being farmed out, as we would say. I heard that, I heard that, heard that when I first came to live from Belfast into the country. Oh, I had to farm me out. I went, what? Farmed out. Now I'm using it all the time as if if I was in Belfast and, and I said that, they'd probably stone me. I don't know. But this young woman was farmed out. This young woman was looked at as nothing. But you know, I love it when Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says that God has taken the weak and God has taken the foolish. <laughs> you know, that was me. That was me. God has taken the weak and God has taken the foolish. God has taken the base things of this world, confirmed the things which are mighty. Maybe some would look and say, I remember him. I remember where he was. I remember what he used to get up to. I remember the lifestyle he lived. I remember it. Well, they can remember it all the one, but I'll tell you what, the Lord doesn't. The Lord doesn't. Their sins, and their iniquities, I will remember no more, he says. I will remember no more. Thank God for his grace. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you. I'll be honest, I got this thought the other day. Um, I was out walking 
with Alison. We went away for a few days, and we came home on Thursday. Went on Monday afternoon, late afternoon. Came back on Thursday, just early evening. And I was out walking one day, and I started coming to my head the wee song, I am my beloved, and he is mine, and his banner over me is love. You know, he brought me into his banqueting house, and I'm just humming it and singing it to myself, and the Lord says, speak on that on Sunday night. So I thought about it and I prayed about it, and I said, Lord, I'll take the word, and you fill my mouth with it. You see, Solomon comes down and he takes this young woman and they express it in the song. I want you to see how he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and from the merry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He'll put a new song in my mouth. See the, the songs I used to sing, the songs of the drunkard. I used to sing them all the time. All sorts of songs, songs of foul and bad language, filthy talk. Now he put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God, the psalmist says, many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. In other words, he says, I'm telling you my testimony. And now here is a testimony between Solomon and the Shulamite. It's between, it's between Yahweh and Israel and you and I as his redeemed bride. You look, just let your eyes run down the chapter. Time's flying. Let your eye run down the chapter to verse 12. Listen to what it says. While the king sitteth at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. If this sounds familiar to you, go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, please. And let your eye run down. Tell you what, let's go John 12 and just do verse 1. We'll go for verse 1. It's only a couple of verses. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, before he's put to death as the Lamb of God, the last and final Lamb that would count in for anything in God's eyes, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead whom he raised from the dead. Now notice this. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Take note. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Young Shulamite, all those years ago, almost as it were, I'm sure, eight, maybe close to a thousand years, 800 years beforehand, singing the song to Solomon, just says that the king will sit at his table and I'll bring my spikenard, prophetic of Christ, of Mary coming, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And she takes it and it's very precious to her. It's her heart, it's her labor, it's her worth. It's everything that she's, she's, she's worked for and hoped for, keeping it for the ultimate special occasion. I'm saving this for the ultimate special occasion 
But there Christ is going to die and bleed on Calvary's tree. And this young woman catches it in the spirit, breaks it open and starts to pour it over the lovely Christ. And the spikenard flows on him. And the house is filled with the odor of it. Oh, and here Song of Solomon is that the king is sitting at his table and this Sunamite, one who's been saved by sovereign grace, comes in and breaks the spikenard and puts it over his lovely head. Will you go with me to chapter 2? Notice this. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. The rose of Sharon was very fragrant and it was very bright and told on the hills, tops and the mountaintops. It grew there and because of the freshness of the air, it grew and its foliage was of all manner of colors and the fragrance was very strong and very poignant of a smell. And when you walked across, you can smell the breeze blowing over the rose of Sharon. It was beautiful. It made you feel good. It it, it done something to your innards. It done something to your soul and your heart and your spirit. But you see, we can't stay on the mountaintop all the time. Some of us go into the valley. Where are you, Lord, in the valley? Maybe you're in the valley tonight. Where are you? He's there. Well, where is he? He's just a, it's just not as evident that he's there. He sees the rose of Sharon and he's the, the lily in the valley. See the lily? The lily would grow up right through a swamp. It has deep roots, but it grows where none other flower can grow. And he says, you're on the mountaintop and things are good. See, we're in the valley and things aren't so beautiful and bright and fragrant he says, look for me, because I'm there. I'm the lily of the valley. They're singing this to each other. Notice what it says in verse 2. As a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Now it turns to her. You're like this. It speaks of Israel cast among other peoples. But it speaks here of us as well. You and I, you know, the lilies. As it were, sometimes we're not as beautiful and fragrant. You might be a white lily or you might be an orange lily. I don't know which one you might be. Is there another color of a lily, by the way? I only know the two. Well, who, there's a pink lily and a yellow lily. I'm being educated tonight. But here's the thing. He's singing and he's saying, you're among others. But I still know where you are. But I still know where you are. Israel, I know where you are. Jill, I know where you are. Teresa, he would say, I know where you are. And go on. on. I have to close this. I'm only getting into it, but let me shut it, close it here. Verse 4, for time's sake, he brought me. Notice, I didn't go of my own volition. I didn't go by my own exercising. He 
brought me. Praise God. Pastor Glenn said it this morning. Jesus wasn't lost. We were. You didn't find him. He came and found you. He left the throne of glory and sought us out. It says, and he brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me is love. This seems to go back to that road where they met in this chapter. And if you look just at verse, verse 8, the voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills. The idea of this is here comes Solomon down, possibly either in a chariot or some great charger, with the troop of soldiers, how many hundreds or thousands, I don't know. But the idea is that he comes down and there she is, this great king, who am I before him? Sure, he'd run me over with his chariot, knock me down with his horse, kick me out of the way and say, you're nothing, you're nobody, get out of my way. That's her thinking. But the idea is that Solomon comes down and to her, now looking back at him coming to rescue her, she didn't know it but he was coming to save her from the life she was in. He was coming to rescue her from the doldrums and from the field of the world and the sin and all that she was happening to her. And she sees him coming down. But it looks as though now, being saved, thinking back, and I think of it of my Savior coming all the way to save me. It's like he comes leaping upon the hills and he comes running over the mountains and he says, Ken, I'm coming for you, son. I'm coming for you. And listen, when you got saved, He came leaping over the hills, over the mountains, and he says, I'm coming for you, child. I'm coming for you. And he came all the way, and he bled and he died for you. Let me finish this somewhere if I can. Let's go to verse 10. He stops beside her. Dirty and blackened, and wizened, and worthless. He stops beside her, and listen to what he says. It says in verse 10, My beloved spake and said unto me, Get out of the road! (laughs) You're a blot on the landscape. No, he says, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Come on, take me at my word. Take as it were my hand and let me take it from this world and take it from the sin and take it from the things that's hurting you. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Isn't that what he done for you, brothers and sisters? Stuck fast in the marry clay, in the hole of the pit, and he come right down to where we were and he says, come on, come with me. I'm here to save you. I'm here for you. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, and the time of singing of birds has come. You know what he's saying? You've went through all this, and it's like a dark, dreary, wintry place you're in. He says, but it's all over for you. Take my hand. We're going to the palace. We're going to the palace of the king. The voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Now, the turtle, 
I've never heard a turtle singing yet of you. Now I know God can do all things. Don't get me wrong. But the idea here is it's a turtle dove. It's a turtle dove. And it starts to sing. And here it is. The picture of the Holy Ghost in it all. He says, come on, he's singing over you. The Spirit of God is singing to you. The Spirit of God is singing over you. Arise, my love. Come on, take my hand and come away. Look at what she says in verse 16. My beloved is mine and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. No, she's saying he came right down to where that swamp is, to where nothing's as bright and beautiful. He came right down to where I was. And he says, I'm staying here until you come with me. And then, of course, it says that he brought me into his banqueting house. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. His banner over me.
says, I've took my coat off and I've took my shoes off. In other words, I'm in bed, there's a, a dusty floor, and I've washed my feet before I get into bed because I didn't wear socks in all those days, you know. I don't want to get out and put my coat on and get my feet all dirty and all this sort of stuff. It gives the idea he's going, I'm here for you. Why won't you open the door to me? And by the time she comes to her senses, she jumps across the room and she opens the door and he's gone. She starts running through the city. She sees the watchman. Have you seen him whom I so love? She goes to the next one. Have you seen him, he whom I so love? You know, I really do love you, Lord, and I'm sorry that I wasn't after your attention. And just when all hope is going, it's like the clouds move aside. And there she sees him walking toward her. You know what he was saying? I still love you. And hence tonight's reading, set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave, and cones thereof are of cones of fire which have a most vehement flame. She's saying, even through all of this, and it says, many waters, the next verse says, many waters cannot quench love. Do you love him? There's a question for you to answer in your own heart. Do you love him? I could debate doctrine with people all day. I don't do it anymore because it just doesn't, it's not profitable sometimes. But we could debate doctrine all day. But putting it all aside tonight, do you love him? But here's greater thing. Do you know that he loves you? You're greatly loved tonight, church. May God bless his word to us. Now, if you don't know Christ, you may come. You come and see us tonight and speak with us. We'll point you to the Savior. God bless you. Team, come up and we'll close and let people get away home.